I just bumped into Andrea Birdie. This is Zach Birdie's aunt. You just told me that Soxfest is bigger than Christmas and your birthday. That's correct. So I wait for this weekend all year. I don't care about my birthday. don't care about Christmas, any other holiday. This is my holiday weekend. Why isn't Zach here? Where, where, where's he at? He, I believe, is either in the Dominican or he's in Arizona. Get ready for spring training. Yes. And when he makes it, you get a skybox, right? I think I get the whole park. <laughs> I think I get the whole park. That's my plan. Because that's what I enjoy going to the game, just sitting there and watching the whole game. You and Zach come down to Evergreen Park. We'll sit down. We'll do a show sometime, okay? That sounds awesome. awesome. We'd love it. All right. Enjoy Soxfest. Thank you. You're listening to Socks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Was that your first Sox Fest? That was my first Sox Fest. So I took you to your first Sox Fest yes, this past weekend. Yes, you did. Thank you for that. No problem. Did you enjoy it? I did. I did. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was, it was very cool to see. You know, the, uh, all the symposiums were a lot of fun to listen to. Didn't really get uh, too many. I didn't really get any autographs. It never really was my thing. I mean, pictures are cool to me. I Autographs, eh, not so much. Um, did have a lot of fun at Sox Fest, though. The symposiums were, were a lot of fun. I want to give a compliment to the White Sox here. I remember the first year that it was in the Hilton. I brought my kids. That was the 2015 10-year anniversary of the World Series. And we talked about that story last week where uh, my, right. my daughter with Joe Creedy. And I didn't like the lack of things for kids. I didn't like that my kids had to stand in a line to wait for another line to get into another line to finally get an autograph and fight with all the autograph seekers that like the pros and the adults and right. the people that are camped out at three o'clock in the morning so they could see their favorite player and get an autograph. They fixed that. Yeah, they did change that. I don't know that. what year they fixed it in, but I know at least this year they had they had an entire section where it was only kids. We were talking about that and too. And that was a it great was, idea. It was a great and, idea. And the thing yeah. was, you could still stand in line with your kid and you can walk up and take a picture of your kid with the player. I mean, and, and all the parents were respectful about it. Like, they didn't go, hey, can you also sign this for me? No. Nobody bothered the players because they knew it was just for the kids. And, they, and then they had, like, they had things where the kids could play and, they, and they, could, they could learn from the younger players. There was a lot more for we kids. Were, we were down there. And I there. thought that was, that's important it, it to do. It was a big deal. We were down there. I mean, and, and uh, Coop was down there holding pitching practice with the kids. Right. Like, the first time we were down there. This right. was, like, the Friday. And I'm, and I thought that was really, I thought that was nice. I thought it was a really nice thing for for them to do because you're right. A lot of, a lot of families are going to be bringing their kids to, to see this kind of stuff and to do this sort of stuff. And and so yeah, hats off to the to the White that Sox for putting that in. Yeah. And, then, and now here's the thing: we're going to jump into and we got a lot to do today. We have uh, Clinton Cole from Future Sox. I found him while we were out there. He sat down with me. We talked about some of the prospects, some names that you haven't heard a lot about that he really likes in the White Sox farm system. We're going to talk to him. Ran into James Fox from Loop Sports, our good friend. He's been on the show several times. Uh, we got some audio with him. Uh, I did speak with Benetti a few times, 
while we were there. Off the record, of I course. Did, yeah, I didn't get any audio with him, but I did. I but it was off the record. I did see him. We ran into a bunch of people. I'm going to tell you some of the inside stuff that I learned running into a lot of people, either who are part of the Sox. I ran into some of the players in uh, Kitty O'Shea's. Had conversations with a few of them. Adam Engel, uh, Michael Kopech. Uh, I I bumped into Tim Anderson, who obviously doesn't listen to the show because he would hit me in the face because right. I, I've not been a big fan of his. Uh, Giolito was there. Uh, bumped into Farmer and DJ. Ed Farmer listens to the show. I thought he was really nice for a guy who says that he listens to the show, and you you went off on him about like uh, one of the episodes. Maybe he missed that episode, but like it was. I didn't go. When did I go off on Farmio? Okay, it was me. It was you. So- <laughs> it was you. Hawk is my guy, man. Which, have, there's a funny Hawk I mean, story like, from Sox Fest if yeah, we have we time for it. We got a good Hawk story. We got a good one. We got a good one. Good Hawk story. So we also had some audio with uh, some of the people around Sox Fest who went. We talked to a lot of the fans uh, and asked them what they liked the most about it. And in the middle of that, when I was walking around getting those interviews, I found out the answer to a question that I was afraid to ask the White Sox about. Okay. Because the, the Sox don't want anybody to hear about the bad stuff that happened. Right. But there was an incident on Friday night where... Jim Tomey and Frank Thomas were signing autographs, and because they had something else going, there was a miscalculation, and there were still like 40 or 50 people waiting for the autographs, and they got up. And when they got up, before they'd actually left, a loudmouth fan, and I got this confirmed by several people, started really ripping the two of them apart. And they really? didn't really have a chance. They didn't really have a chance to find out, hey, we still have more autographs. You see what I'm saying? Okay. But it led to an instance where, from what I was told and I wasn't there, Frank Thomas was like, I don't need to listen to this. And why would he? What's he supposed to do now? Sit down after the guy was yelling at him no. and sign the guy's autograph? No, no, And, no, and no, so no, he's no, like, no. and he was done because he was getting yelled at from some, one guy in the crowd that made everybody look bad. Um, I know how the White Sox fixed it, and I found it out firsthand from the guy that was at the front of the line when it happened. He was the next guy that was supposed to get a signature. And, and I think not the you, guy who was yelling. Not the guy who was yelling. Because I, I saw the guy who was yelling down there. I know exactly who it was because he continued to yell when he got down to the front desk. They had to get security around. I him. remember that because okay. we walked down there. We walked there by and when saw it, and that's a, why we were yeah. like, what's going on? Because was security was surrounding a very irate fan. Everybody else was handling it. And the Sox were already working out a fix with the people that were there. And when you hear what the fix was, you're going to be like, that's the classiest thing they could have possibly done. So we've got that coming up ahead. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, Bo Jackson told a great story at SoxFest that I recorded on my iPhone. And I just, it was the only thing I recorded because I was just, I, I, I could tell something was about to happen. And I grabbed my iPhone real quick and I recorded this story. It turns out that the 93 team almost died in a fiery plane crash. That story. And Bo related everything that happened from the beginning to end of the emergency in the air. And it is that story one of the greatest stories ever that had never been told. Is worth the price of admission right. for Sox so Fest we, right there. That was, like, that was, Bo had me, Bo had me rolling in my chair with that story. Oh yeah. Then. And you it were was, like, you. I looked at you at one point. I'm like, yeah, man, you missed like pretty much all of Saturday because you had work. And, and, and you, you paid for parking twice coming down there. And I was like, I feel so bad. And you're like, everything was worth it just to watch the Bo story. Yeah. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Hanging with James Fox. Loop Sports Future Socks. What are you looking forward to at Socks Fest this year? I usually like the prospect seminars. Um, they're usually pretty good. Nick Hostetler is the uh, director of amateur scouting for the White Sox. He's got some stuff this weekend with some of the, the younger kids, which is fun. Uh, listening to Rick Hahn's always pretty good, too. So I'm curious to see some of those on the Friday night. Now, this is going to get proven right or wrong by the time it airs. But do you think at this point 
at the beginning of Sox Fest that the White Sox announced something during the weekend, like a Jack Peterson or some kind of move that shocks people? I don't think the White Sox announced anything, but I think a Jack Peterson trade leaks out somewhere. All right, so Dave, um, there was a lot of rumors swirling around while we were out there, okay? Indeed. And we talked to a lot of different people that are out there. One of the things that's been swirling around this week was a possible Jack Peterson acquisition. Right. And all the rumors had Aaron Bummer and Carson Fulmer going. The third player was the one that I heard many different things. All I can say, and we tweeted it out, is that I spoke to somebody during the weekend who had conversations and told me that unless something changes, if that deal goes through to third name, could very well be Blake Rutherford. That was what I was hearing, and too. That, and, and, that was, and the, that was the name I was hearing, You know, yes. it's not confirmed, and so, you know, that's the problem. But I, the person I talked to, I, I, I believe him. I believe that if it, if it isn't going to be Rutherford, it's at least been discussed and that the team has discussed the possibility of sending him. Now, I don't have a problem with it. No, I don't know what you do think I, about because we have, do a, I, neither we do have I. a glut of outfield prospects, and I've said it already on this show – at some point, you're going to move them. And somebody's going to sit there and say, Rutherford, what the heck? And this is this means that we got taken on that trade. Look, the whole idea is to gather as many people as you can that are good. And then you use some of those pieces. And if Rutherford becomes part of a deal to bring a 25-year-old guy who was in the you know rookie of the year running and was an all-star in his first season and has plenty of years Just yet ahead of going, him. Yeah, he's and he's got a couple 20, years of control. Yeah, year 26. I'm I'm okay with making some sort of a move there. And and now here's the other thing. The White Sox have also discussed, and this was this was something you missed, you would head at home. And I think a lot of people missed it because I didn't see a lot of it on Twitter. Okay. But it was the first I'd really heard of it. Assistant general manager Jeremy Haber was up there on the last symposium and casually off the cuff while trying to describe deals and the value of the prospects, made mention that the Sox had explored trying to acquire major league ball players that are already up and performing, that have years of control ahead of them, and they were willing to trade some of these prospect names that you're sitting around saying, I can't wait till this guy gets to the White Sox, that they were planning to trade some of their prospects if they could get a guy. And if you think about it, that's what the Brewers did. They gave away Lewis Brinson, who was a top 10 prospect, and then went out and hit a buck 50 last year to get Christian Yelich. And they gave away not only Brinson, but a couple other players in that deal so they could get a guy that was young and controllable that they could keep. It sounds like the Sox tried to do that this offseason and would have done it if they would have been able to find a taker and they weren't able to find the deal that worked for them. But it's something that was not reported on that the Sox were thinking about actually dealing prospects for proven players this year. It just didn't happen. And that's from the assistant GM at the symposium. Now, there were some folks um, uh, that we had talked to, like I'm thinking of a couple in particular, that were pretty upset about the Rutherford rumor. Yeah. And, and here was my thing, because we had talked about this. Number one, glut of outfield prospects, very deep. Number two, you know... I had this was not the first time that I had heard Rutherford's name discussed as a trade piece for uh, an existing player. This, this, so it wasn't it wasn't news to me. I guess I had always known going into it that what you were talking about is true. That some of these prospects that they had acquired were not going to end up on the big team. You can't have twelve outfielders. No, you can't. And then the other thing Somebody's too, not making it. The other thing too about it is that. You know, from like what we had spoken about, 
it seemed almost as if Rutherford is getting passed up in the pecking order as far as some of the, the outfielders that may end up up here on the big team. On the MLB pipeline list that comes out, and it came out this past weekend during SoxFest, the top 100 prospects. Now, it's a national thing, and I think they miss on some players, and it's they, they want, they're not really as, as close to the team as like a guy like Clinton Cole, who we're going to talk to in just a few moments here, and we're going to play his interview from SoxFest. But Rutherford was a top 50 prospect. Then the next year, last year, he dropped to 77. And this year, he's not even on the top 100 prospect list. Right. So the national guys are cooled off on him considerably. If the White Sox have a team that's like, we like to grab this guy, and they're willing to pay what it would be for a top 100 Major League Baseball prospect, and the Sox realize that this isn't going to work, you know your player is better than anybody else. Yes. And that's why he might be included in it. Like I said, it's just a rumor. But I believe those rumors and the things that I heard from the people I spoke to far more than I believe what I see on Twitter. Hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement, and you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the Broadcast Basement with Chris for 10 years, and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. Remember, the Broadcast Basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at BroadcastBasement.com. We talked to the fans of SoxFest. We learned what they liked best about SoxFest, and we got an answer as to how the White Sox handled probably the biggest snafu that happened. Things just got a little crazy. I mean, you put two Hall of Famers next to each other. People are trying to figure out how am I going to get an autograph and get the most great autographs I can. And it's like, wait, I don't have to stand in line for one guy. I could stand in line for two and they're both Hall of Famers. I'm getting in that line. And time ran out and about 40 people were left out in the cold. And in the middle of this, you'll hear the explanation as to how the White Sox fixed it. I thought it was pretty cool. What you think of Sox Fest this year? Best part? Best part is just meeting the players. Kids Zone was great with all the clinics. My son learned a lot. Got to mess with uh, Don Cooper. was awesome. What was the best part about Sox Fest this year? My kids. My kids had just a ball. All these players are honestly the best around. Uh, these guys take time for these kids. They they just, my kids are just so much so happy and having so much fun. You know, most disappointing part was that whole debacle the first day with Jim Tomei and were you a part of that I was the first one who got screwed out of the whole thing I was right there at the top of the stairs as they stood up and walked away so it happens. There was a rumor that somebody started yelling yes. at them. Was that guy, so? So somebody in the li- somebody in the line was it before or after they stood up? That, this was after after they walked off, okay. and the guy just like oh, he just started yelling. Right. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of this. Let me get my kids out of here. Right. And we took the kids out. Uh, we did talk to the Sox organization. Actually, talked to a couple of VPs down here. Um, they took down our information. They said they're going to make it right. We don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, they'll probably just send you some autographs or do something. Actually, to help they say they want to do more than that, and I think. Uh, what they're kind of hinting around the lines that they're going to bring us to a game or something like that. So I think there were about 40 of us total that got kind of screwed out of that whole ordeal. But, you know, they'll fix it next year, you know. It's uh, good. It's good that they take care of you. And it like it that. really is. And in, in, in the way that they take care of the kids, honestly, does not spoil this uh, trip for us, not one little bit. But, I mean, it's just been a blast. I, I will be back. This is a family tradition now. Last year was our first year, and it, it's going to be every year. What you think of Saxos this year? It's freaking awesome. I love coming here. What was the best part about it for you? Um, seeing Tommy Friday night. You got in that line, but you made it? 
Uh, with my speed pass, yes. <laughs> it was a rough go, but yeah, I made now, it through. You, know, you see those guys? I saw them up on stage. I can tell that they didn't, they didn't, they didn't even know what was going on when that thing went bad on Friday night. Yeah. And I'm crazy. sure when you got up there, they were pretty nice guys. Um, most definitely. Best part about Soxfest? Think for the children. Think it's outstanding. They do a great job for these kids, and you know, as long as they want to come back, I'll bring them back. You know. Who'd you meet? Anybody you get to hang out with today? I met, uh, Paulka was here earlier, uh, my son was hanging out with, um, who was that, that was uh, Leary earlier in the kids area, uh, Ron Kittle and, and May were here sitting down talking with us, that farmer in the kids section, it's just great. You got a good spot too, you found a couch, Absolutely. the kids get to run around, the players come to you. Absolutely. Everybody else in line, going. you figured it out. Yes sir, <laughs> I'm a veteran, you know, you got to do what you got to do, let the kids go and... Let him enjoy it. Hi, right, what's your name? Joey. Joey, and you are? Bill. You guys uh, father-son, it looks like? Father-son. Yeah. Awesome. So how often do you go to Saxfest? This is our, uh, what? Our second time. Yeah, this is our second time. Very cool. What did you like about it this year? What was the best part? Organized. Everything was kind of fast and efficient. We got to see uh, Moncada. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. We got, like, Ozzy. Ozzy. I got to see everyone else. We all kind of wanted to, so it's pretty cool. And that's nice. It's cool to see all the guys kind of relaxed and you know, meet everyone and kind of give their little insight and stuff like that. It's also fun to kind of hang out with Dad, though, right? Oh, yeah, of course, that too. A little, little ad benefit. The coolest thing, just like you said, I get to hang out with my son. That's it. You know, he's 22, and I don't know how many more years we have of this stuff, you know, but it's, it's cool to hang out with the one person I love more than anything in the world. What's your name? Hannah Pritz. Hannah, I see you sitting here. I'm guessing you're watching one of your kids yes. getting ready. Yes, Who do you got out there? Oh my God, Joshua, he's actually up to bat right now. Well, I don't want to be in the way. You can still <laughs> no, see it while you're fine. talking to me, yeah, right? Definitely. How, how much does it mean that they're doing this where they can go out here and work out with some of the players and some of the coaches and the, it's not just standing in line and getting autographs? Yeah, this is everything to him. We actually spent most of the day in clinics and even today as well. So this is actually his favorite part, just getting to work with coaches, um, actually hang out with players, practice with them. This is his favorite and, and me seeing him be so happy that's what makes it my favorite too so that's probably the best part about yeah. success for you absolutely it, it definitely is very cool thank you very much of course it's the middle of the show song 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 chris had nothing to put here so he put this song it's the middle of the show song. About to play the uh, Clinton Cole interview here, Dave, from Future Sox. I really enjoyed having a conversation with him. We sat right in the lounge area, like the, the area had like the bar and the kids zone and everything else, which was, again, set up perfectly. That area of Sox Fest was perfect. There's a bar on one end for the dads to stand in. There's couches for the dads that want to sit down in a comfortable chair. There's video games yeah, for the kids to keep Yeah, there was virtual reality. Virtual reality. Home reality I, saw, I saw Kopech, okay, coming off his Tommy John surgery doing home run derby with the thing. He looked pretty healthy. Nice. I told him, I told Kopech on Sunday morning that he was going to, I was staying at the elevators with him, and I said, you're going to win the award for most visible guy in the lobby. <laughs> And, and he's like, I keep trying to avoid people. I'm like, you're seven feet tall. It's impossible. <laughs> I'm like, start trying to find like the back door. And he was laughing, but he has dad with him. I, you know, when you look at his dad, his dad is like my size. Your height, yeah. And it's like, where did this kid spring out of? That's incredible. What were they feeding him? But anyway. Well, not not only that, but I mean, Kopech is, <laughs> yes, he's a very tall gentleman. He's also very, you know, he's obviously he an athlete. He stands out with the hairdo he's and he's an athlete. He's obviously an yeah. athlete. He's, right. he's, you know, he's tan. Everybody I mean, knows him. Everybody, yeah, everybody exactly. Everybody knows him. He can't escape. And you know what's great is like, he at one point was walking out. I saw him on Saturday. And I, I you know, I'm going to tell you something. If you listen to the show and you do this, I don't want you to say too much offensive, but at some point you got to say, leave the guys alone and let them have a life. 
There were all these autograph lines and everything else like that. And there's guys camped out in the lobby at like one in the morning. Yeah. Okay. And he has to sneak in through. I saw him sneaking through a side entrance because he couldn't get, when he tried to leave earlier in the evening, they, they basically surrounded him and he tried to tell him like, Hey guys, it's been a long day. Just going out with my dad to get some dinner, you know, whatever like that. And then he just gave in and he signed everybody's autograph because he's a nice guy. But I just wish that like people would like understand that they're people. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like I talked with Adam Engel for a little bit and I only held him up for like 90 seconds, maybe, maybe two minutes because he was having a meal and mm-hmm. I just walked, wanted to walk over and say hi. And I actually gave him a hat. I was like, I, I just want to, Hey, you want a hat or something like that? And I, he said, he's like, Polka had one of those. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, here, I, I'll give you one. You know, now you can tell him you got one too. Okay. <laughs> but there was another guy that walked over there and he just decided he was going to be their best friend. He was like wavering from side oh, to side. I remember this he's guy, half yeah. hammered and he's just like leaning up against Angle. And I'm like, poor Adam Angle. All he wants to do is eat a sandwich. The guy stood there next to him for like 40 minutes. I think that's why I think that's why I always just feel so weird about like, you know, asking these dudes for autographs. Yeah, I don't want to answer like, people. I don't want to bug I would, them. I would almost rather like, hey, like, you know, if you run into them, you're like, hey, you know. How are you? How That's are you? Like, right. Hey, like, guys, just want to say hi or something like that. Or like when I saw Giolito, I'm like, I just wanted to say hi. You know, hope you have a hope you have a better year this year. You know, good right. luck. You know how you feeling, but I, I'm I'm not pulling anything from the sign, and I'm not going to sit down next to him while he's having a sandwich. No. Hanging at Sox Fest 2019 with Clinton Cole from Future Sox. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me, man. What is your impression after running around here? I think we're a day and a half into it. You've run into a couple of uh, prospects that uh, are getting ready and hoping to get on the major league roster. How are they feeling? Uh, what, what are you gleaning off of them when you're seeing them? Are they excited? Do they feel like they're close? Do they feel like they're really a part of this thing, even though they might not be on the roster when everything starts this year? Yeah, so, I mean, spending time in North Carolina last year, um, built a lot of good relationships with a lot of guys. So, yeah, in particular, like Dylan Cease, um, you know, he's – He's raring to go, man. He's he knows his time is, is coming right now. And as Han said yesterday, um, before things kind of got going, you know, he is on the same track Kopech was last year. Both coming off of big innings increases the year before. Uh, both things that they needed to work on were their second and third pitches. And, and Dylan told me he's, he's he can throw it at those pitches at any point in the count. So I'm really excited for Dylan. Uh, Dane Dunning, who uh, Han obviously is not going to spring training. But Han said we'll start in Double A Birmingham, but did say you know that if he didn't have that setback with the forearm last year, that he would have been in the, in the mix for that fifth spot this year, um, or right now uh, out of spring training. So that kind of tells me that uh, that Dane is Dane and Dylan, you know, they'll they'll be the next two guys, you know, big name impact guys up there. Um, as far as hitters go, you know, I I haven't talked. I mean, I talked to Mike uh, Adolfo a little bit and then Robert, but you know, those two guys, both of them. Had struggled with some injuries last year. Two, two other guys that you'd be hearing a lot more of right now if they played a full season last year. So those two guys, um, I talked to Madrigal, talked to Collins, um, and, you know, it's a lot of, um, for Madrigal especially, it's, you know, there's a lot of people doubting, you know, his skill set. Um, Is he aware of that too? Oh, he knows it, and he told me that he's been, he's lifted more this offseason than at any, any point in his life because um, he knows he needs to, you know, the, the slugging the slugging percentage needs to go up for him a lot. So hopefully, you know, he's he seems like he's in a good place as well. And then there's some other guys that I've talked in the offseason, Laz and Gavin and, you know, some of these some of these other guys that, you know, may not be top 10 prospects, but uh, they've got as good a chance as anyone to make it to the south side, and they're ready to go too. 
Rakan said in his session on Saturday morning that the fifth starter spot right now seemed to be between ben- Benuelos and Dylan Covey. Is there a dark horse candidate that you think could come out of spring training after after covering the guys that are in the minors? Somebody coming from AAA possibly that might not be you know might be able to prove themselves over those two guys. I really hope it's not Dylan Covey. Um, you know we, we, were, we were talking about that yesterday. I really hope it's not him. Um, man, I don't know. I I know Ben Willis because of how highly touted he was with the Yankees, but then he had that that arm trouble and then fell off the map. And then last year he pitched with the Dodgers and. Who knows? Maybe he, I think he's 26, 27. You know, maybe he's maybe he's the guy. Maybe he surprises everyone. Um, outside of those two, I mean, there's there's a handful of guys: Jordan Stevens, Spencer Adams, Jordan Guerrero. Those three guys, um, probably for my money right now. Um, some other guys, uh, and obviously, you know, there's other guys like Hanson, and we've already mentioned Dunning and Seats. But you know, some of these other guys that people may not know: Bernardo Flores is the name. Keep a lookout: Jimmy Lambert. Um, even Tanner Banks. I mean, there's and there's guys at Canapolis last year that aren't going to be there this year. Like, I, I'm really high on Cade McClure, who he got hurt. Um, he, I was at the game, he ripped up his knee, and he's, he's fine. He's back and strong. Um, another name, Lincoln Hinsman, his teammate at Louisville. So there's some other guys to keep an eye on. With the glut of outfielders and the amount of talent that they have down there after Eloy comes up, who do you think is the next guy? out of that group that might break into the under the major league roster and do you think it could happen this year or we'd be waiting until next year out of any of the prospects that you you think are are guys who could end up being long-term contributors for the team uh barring any injuries you know barring jay and and delmonico and you know some of these guys getting hurt you know you know so saying that everyone's healthy throughout the season i think luis Basabe is the next guy how close is he he i wouldn't be surprised if he's in triple a by june and maybe gets a cup of coffee towards the end of the year. Um, but like, like I said, if Robert and Adolfo weren't hurt last year, I you know those would be my two guys. Um, but right now, Basabe. Um, then you think about Blake Rutherford, who's who's he's got a he's got some work to do. Um, some other guys, uh, Steel Walker was just drafted last year. I mean, great kid who's got a world of talent. Luis Gonzalez, who awesome dude, good friend of mine. Um, just. <laughs> He gets overlooked because he's not hes not a Luis Roberts size. He's not a Mike Rodolfo size. He's maybe six foot, buck 80 maybe, maybe, maybe. Zach Birdie's aunt's running around almost doing press for him. We've already <laughs> run into her twice, and she's talked to us. Uh, what do you think about that guy and uh, his when, when he's going to be a, a real factor contributor? I've never seen him pitch in person, but I have talked to Lincoln. I've talked to Cade um, and talked to these guys that played with him, and... They, they think, you know, he's got the stuff to be the closer of the future for the Sox. Clinton Cole, future Sox. I appreciate you hanging out. Go back and enjoy uh, Sox Fest. I hope, I hope you're not working too hard. You're, you're, getting, you're getting to enjoy some of this, right? Absolutely. This is my first time here at all, even as, you know, I, I wasn't able to ever come up as a fan. Um, and, you know, it was cool because I made such good relationships with all these prospects, you know, last year. And seeing all these guys just, you know, we, we text, you know, I'm talking to – we, we – the other day I got into town, or we got into town, and um, when Mike got out of town, I texted him, like, man, what do you think about this weather? He's like, oh, bro, it's awful. So it's nice building these relationships with these guys that, that are going to be part of a, a World Series championship in a couple years. The Rick Hahn Symposium with Rick Renteria and Jason Bennett on Saturday morning, to me, was the most telling thing about the Machado negotiations. If you were sitting there and you were paying attention, 
right. what was going on. Now, I missed this, so but go ahead. I got up first of all and asked a question about who does the lineups. Remember, we had heard some we had heard something on MLB Network that suggested us that Han sends Renteria the lineups. And that's why I asked the question, because I want to get confirmation on that, because that's what we surmised. So I asked the question. Renteria then gave an art history lesson for five minutes. It was really <laughs> weird. I think he forgot what question he was answering. Because he just started talking about Picasso and everything else. And I was just looking at him like, what is he talking about? And I think Rick Hahn was looking at him like, what is he talking about? But he eventually got back around to it where he said, they t- give me a bunch of data. They tell me what they think we could do. But in the end, I have total control over my lineup. So that's pretty similar to what we thought. We knew they were giving him a suggested lineup. We just didn't know how much he could change it. The answer is he could change it as much as he wants to. I mean, that seems like a pretty standard thing. Not everybody's like that, though. Really? I've I've heard other GMs say that they, like the the guy from the Nationals, fully admitted that they'll call down to the dugout with a sabermetric tip for the manager and say, do this. And he did that on MLB Network he was talking about. So so not everybody's like that. Billy Bean, for years, basically restricted his managers from doing certain things. Okay. And would tell them no. So, I mean, like, that's the thing. There's got to, like, it was interesting to hear how that was. But when you're listening to Han speak from the very beginning, the fact that the White Sox clearly made a decision to attack the Manny Machado stuff head on. They started right off, but then he started right off with a, with a Manny thing. And they made a joke about it. And then they made jokes about mystery teams. And they laughed about the fact that mystery teams aren't real. And they mocked the existence of mystery teams and people that talk about mystery teams. Yep. And then and then Renteria was asked by by Benetti, have you ever played for the mystery team? And he goes, <laughs> no. And he goes, well, if you were on the mystery team, you would just say that to me because so you're probably on a mystery team. And they're all just laughing and making fun of mystery teams. But throughout the entire thing, Bryce Harper was, was mentioned once. Once. Right. I remember you telling me There this. was one point where he actually said, I would be personally bothered if we didn't get Manny Machado. And there was a pause and he goes, or Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper was like the afterthought because he didn't want to basically say this is the only guy I'm going after, but that's the only guy they're going after. That's it. Dave, we're going to run over a little bit here. That's all right. It's a special weekend, man. It's a, it was a special weekend at Sox Fest, um, but I do want to play the audio. Hopefully this will come through okay. Uh, of Bo Jackson re- relaying the story at Sox Fest of the near-death experience of the entire 1993 team. And the fact that he basically told you what the plane was like, who had gas on the plane, who liked to get drunk in the back of the plane, who freaked out the most, and you're going to love this, when the plane was on fire, like who just lost it on the plane, (laughs) okay? Uh, Herm Schneider was out there for this, so you might hear his voice, and you might hear uh, Hawk Harrelson, I know you hear him at one point on this because he was hosting the entire thing, and so you're going to hear these guys on it. Hawk was on the plane and Herm was on the plane. So they all three of the guys were on it, but it's basically Bo telling this story. And uh, enjoy this one here as we close out this week of Socks in the Basement. We will see you next week, every Wednesday. It's 30 minutes of White Sox talk, even though this one went a little bit long, but there was just so much that happened at Sox Fest. I believe we are going to see a Machado signing. The White Sox have said, Rick Hahn said, he is personally working on, or at least over the weekend, was working on Three to four acquisitions just during SoxFest weekend that was revealed. Something's going to pop. I don't think they're done. I just think they're being smart because they're a team that is still in a rebuild and doesn't want to cut their noses off to spite their face if they're going through a couple years of hell. But I think this team really wants to win. I think they feel like they have the opportunity to make a little bit of noise this year. They're a little bit more proud of themselves. Like last year, they acted like there was no chance they could win games. 
Uh, this team, when asked a question, can we win 80 games, was like, we intend to win more than more that. More than that, yeah. Okay? I, I noticed that too. And, you know, you could say that's bravado, but they didn't even act that way last year. Last year, they were like, we're in a rebuild. They, they didn't even act like they had a chance last year. They feel real good about what's going on. And you know what? There were other things we learned in SoxFest that will come up over the next couple of weeks on this show. Thank you very much for listening, and make sure you subscribe if you have not, and spread the words to your friends. Here's Bo Jackson as Socks in the Basement comes to a close. Everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. We're coming back from Ontario in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, because we had the next day off. And uh, so we decided to come home that night. And um, I was in the cockpit. cockpit door talking to the pilot. The co-pilot was in the back doing something. I don't know, getting water. I don't know, playing poker with Pudge or Robin and them. Because they all sit in the back and play poker. They get loud and get drunk and they just have a good time. I'm in the cockpit door and I'm talking to the pilot. And we're talking about P-51 Mustangs. That's my favorite military plane. I wanted to buy one when I was living in Kansas City, but my wife shot that down. (laughs) And we were talking about how that particular plane has taken more pilots' lives of any military plane because the torque of that engine, if you fly low to the ground, the torque will want to make that plane turn over and dive into the ground. And just right as he said that, a boom, and the plane shook, and it started to tilt like this. And the pilot swings around and says, he just lost number one engine. And it was only a two-engine plane. Was, yeah. <laughs> two engines. Bo's in the cockpit. All of a sudden, he opens the door, and here he comes. He goes, boys, <laughs> It wasn't quite like that. It was a little bit more uh, adult speaking. <laughs> yes, because... And as I'm going down the aisle, I'm passing everybody. And everybody's, I don't know, I guess, I don't know why people think that they gotta put all their stuff up. Like they gotta get neat before something bad happens. And I'm going down the aisle because I'm sitting three quarters away to the back of the plane. Never sit in the back of the plane because that's where Pudge, Robin Ventura, Jack McDowell, and they play their poker and they get loud and they get obnoxious. And Tim Raines is passing gas in the back of the plane. So you don't go to the back of the plane. Timmy was the all-time major league leader in clearing out the back of the plane. Yes. So as I'm going down the aisle, I say what I thought the pilot said, but he didn't say what I said to everybody. And I can't tell you what he said, what I said. But I'm walking down the aisle, all the white guys turn red. All the black guys turn white. Frank Thomas laid, laid, he's laid back across his seat like Fred Sanford yelling, oh mama, oh mama, oh mama. All of the Latin guys got their rosaries out and they're playing beads. And we sat down and we landed in Des Moines, Iowa. If you remember back in the early 80s where that United plane crashed, we landed on that runway. And I think a few people on that plane, I think Hawkins included, got a car and went home, did you? Or was that Farmer? That was Farmer. Farmer, a lot of people. They went right to Hertz. Went to Hertz, got cars, and drove back to Chicago. 
but uh, that was a memorable moment. It was scary because all the, 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 on the runway were all the fire trucks and they had foamed the runway down on us. And I mean, it was like the real thing. You know, you had to put your head between your legs and wow. get down when we were getting to land because he wasn't sure, the pilot wasn't sure whether he could keep the plane straight where we'd land on all the wheels because we only had the one engine. And well, he did come over the, over the PA system and say, hey, fellas, this plane can fly on one engine. And we came into Des Moines just like this. Smooth as a baby's butt. I'll tell you, just like this. But you know, I was sitting, Whippy was right here, and when that thing blew up, I was only like, what, 10 feet, 10 feet from the engine. I looked at Whippy, I said, Whippy, we got a chance to have a bad road trip. <laughs> Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is basement. And the nude is basement. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nude is basement. Oh, broadcast basement. The Nudist Basement The Broad Basement Slancha That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it Socks in the Basement Heard everywhere a podcast can be found And always on SocksInTheBasement.com